0: Before turning our attention to the gospel passage for today, I want to make a comment regarding our psalm for this morning. In the 98th psalm, verse 8, the psalmist writes of the rivers clapping their hands and the hills singing for joy. Now to be clear, the psalms are songs and they are poems, and as a result, there is a lot of artistic language used within them, meaning do not create entire theological belief systems relying strictly on a psalm. However, there is truth truth that the psalms that we cannot quickly ignore only because they are written with artistic language. We know that rivers do not have hands to clap and the hills do not sing at least not in ways that we understand. But that, does that mean that the psalmist's poetic way of speech can be ignored? St. Augustine explained this line from the psalm by stating that God gives the living waters, and in their part of God's plan for salvation, these rivers clapped their hands, these rivers rejoiced in the works, and blessed God. And Augustine explained that there are hills of spiritual greatness. Let the hills therefore rejoice for he shall not judge unrighteously. Now I want you to hold on to the question that I asked and St. Augustine's explanation for a minute while while I tell you about a recent event. I was at a symposium about pilgrimage last week and it was excellent. The various people who presented research on different topics were smart, well prepared, and kept the attention of those who were attending. Of the many different presentations I attended, I was only disappointed by one. The title was What is Spiritual? But the speakers, three of them, all chose to address the question of what is spirit instead. Trying to keep what could be a long story short, the bottom line is that overall their attempts to explain what is spirit fell flat. The moderator of that session, in opening the floor for questions, thanked the presenters and commented on how their presentations were so valuable, because they addressed the reality of spirit existing outside of the restrictive Christian understanding that only humans have spirit. I responded to the moderator by saying that it is not a Christian belief that only humans have spirit. Then I directed his attention to Romans chapter 8, where we find the passage, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage, corruption, obtain freedom and the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Creation waits, longs for, hopes, seeks freedom, seeks glorification, seeks to take his place among the children of God, and groans for the day such will happen. How can that be without some form of innate spirit? The poetic words of the psalmist give us a hint that there is something more to creation than what we can observe, but the words of Paul in his letter to the Romans tells us clearly that all of creation has a spirit that is currently in bondage due to the sin of mankind. The moderator responds to my comment by claiming that what I said is not what Christians believe which I told him that I'm a priest and probably in a better position than he was as an outside observer to understand what the Bible says and what Christians do or do not believe. I bring this up to encourage you to know what your Bible says, know what the church teaches, know what you believe, so that when somebody who is not even a believer tells you what we as people of faith believe. You can bear witness to the truth instead of allowing that person's error to go unchallenged. Now let us turn our attention to our gospel passage from Luke chapter 21, verses 5 through 19. Jesus warns that persecution is coming to the church. The day will come when everything is destroyed. The temple will be deconstructed. Not a single stone will be left on top of another because the Romans will take everything apart, tearing it stone from stone and throwing it to the ground. The times will be filled with terror as nation wars against nation. Even the earth will show its unrest with earthquakes, famine, and disease. And before you know it, the people will say that it is the Christians' fault. You, you Christians, you faithful believers, you will be brought before the kings and the governors. You will be brought before the judges of your community and falsely accused in their claims against Jesus. Jesus spoke about the context in his time when kings and governors were the judges. But Jesus' warning still applies to us today. Those who sit in judgment in our context can be the legal authorities, they can be employers, professional colleagues. They are the ones that want to, at the least, stop us from sharing our faith. And at the worst, in certain contexts, throw us in jail or even kill us. It's happening all around the world. They sit in judgment, not knowing what we believe, but considering us to be wrong and even dangerous because of what they think we believe. They are the ones that thank a panel of speakers for giving spirit to the world around us as great progress from the narrow cr- belief, the narrow Christian belief that only humans have spirit, and then does not know how to respond to a Christian bearing witness to the truth and correcting his mis. Conception and error. Whether it is a large offense or a small, these are the people who want to accuse you because you dare to trust Jesus. And Jesus says that when this happens, this will be your opportunity to bear witness. Jesus then adds, don't worry about what you're going to say. I will give you mouth and wisdom and your adversaries will not know how to respond. Pope Gregory the First, better known as Saint Gregory the Great, says that it is as if Jesus has told us, be not afraid, go forward into the battle. It is I that fight. You utter the words. I am the one who is speaking. Do the rivers clap their hands? Yes. Do the hills sing? Yes. The language may not explain the how or the why, but a poem is not supposed to explain the how and the why, only to let us know something is happening beyond our understanding. We do not understand it, but we know that there are things in the world that we do not see, we do not hear, and they are no less real than if we did. What we can and must understand is that God loves us. Jesus died for us. The Holy Spirit comes to us and gives us strength and comfort. We learn this in the Bible and the teachings of the church. So read your Bibles, learn what the teachings of the church are, and you will be ready to bear witness. You will have the ammunition for the fight that Jesus will fight. You will have the knowledge, the words, and Jesus will be the one speaking. Amen.